Hi, and welcome to the Internet Marketing Show that gives you, amongst other things, simple, proven, and practical steps to build your very own successful online business. Here's your host, the village marketer himself, Peter Beckenham. Hello there, and welcome. This is Peter Beckenham, the village marketer. And in today's session, it's all about dealing with objections. Yep, objections are a very real part of the process. They're a very real part of your sales funnel. If you're going to have phone calls with people, then you're going to get objections. But don't fret, because objections can actually be fun. To be honest with you, I find that objections are my favorite part of the telephone call, because that's when stuff starts to get real. And it's when you really have to tune in and turn up. So when you hear your prospects say things like, Oh, I can't afford it. Or I need some time to think about it. Or I've got to talk to my partner about it. I mean, these are all escape mechanisms. I mean, we all do it, okay? We all do it. It's your job as the expert to not let them off the hook as by doing so means you are not really delivering the solution they're looking for in the first place. Let's make this very clear here. You're not trying to convince them. Just keep your cool and keep your posture, keep your leadership and your frame, and then guide them through these objections in a way that I'll share with you in this session, all right? I'm going to assume that you've already decided that this particular prospect is a good fit for you. They need your help and that you can help them and you can get them the transformational result or the outcome that they truly want to get them from their hell to their heaven, so to speak, right? If you can't help them and they're a bad fit, then really you should probably have let them off the hook well before this call. But if you're at the point of the call where you have shown them your recommended solution and you know they're a good fit for you and that you have a solution and they need your help, then that's a much more positive framework to have. You're there to solve their problem. And that is the frame you need to keep going to the last part of the call with, right? They need you. You don't need them. And you're really doing them a favor by giving your time and using your objection handling skills to avoid letting them not make the best buying decision. Hear what I just said? You're using your objection handling skills to make sure that you avoid them missing out on making what is the best buying decision. People are naturally skeptical. It doesn't matter how much trust you build up with people. When it comes to the point when you know people need to pay for it, they are going to respond, oh, I'm not sure. That is natural. It's normal. We all do it, right? So when you approach the call with that positive leadership mindset, then you're going to exude a higher level of confidence. And the prospect, they're going to feel that from you. And you're going to have a far better result. Because despite the fact they may be still a little bit skeptical, even though they know, like, and trust you, they know they need to solve the problem they've got. They know you have the solution. And they know really deep down that they want you to implement and help them solve it. And by the way, I also want to point out that you should identify objections throughout the call, as I mentioned in our previous session. Try and isolate these objections before you get to the end of your strategy call. I mean, for example, if the prospect is telling you about their business and they mention a partner or they mention that their spouse is involved, then say to them, are you the decision maker or is it your business? 
Get them to tell you what it is. Just who is the decision maker? Because in all fairness, the decision maker must be there so you can help them go through this valuable strategy session. And if they're not the decision maker, they may be just rescheduling the call when their partner or whoever else should be there is available. So in other words, get these types of potential objections out in the open and then they can't really use these objections later in the call, okay? You are isolating them and you are hitting them head on in an honest, transparent way. So make sure you identify those objections as best you can and listen for them throughout the call. Listen for any hesitancies or any resistance points and hit them head on. Always go right to the point as it shows you're a leader and it shows you're not afraid to ask key questions that in the end are really in the best interest of the prospect. And it also takes all those things off the table when it comes to the decision-making point of the strategy call. Remember, the power and the influence you have all comes from the discovery session you had. As I mentioned in our previous session, the discovery section of your call is really about getting them to feel the pain and getting them to feel the pleasure and getting them to really feel that the solution you have is something that they desperately and truly want. You just have to make it real for them, all right? If you make it real for them and their problem, then that's a really good opportunity for them to make an easy buying decision and for you to get a new client. If you allow them just to walk around the problem and not really have a look at it heads on, then they're not going to feel that they need to fix it. Obviously, right? So be aware of this. If you fail to get your prospect to confirm to themselves, as well as to you, the pain feelings and the pleasure feelings that await them by implementing your strategy, if you fail to do this, then you will not get a new customer and you've actually failed that prospect. You haven't given the value that they were so hoping to get. So can you see now how your power really comes from the discovery section of the call? And that's why I keep reminding you to go deep with your prospects. If you build rapport and the agenda of the call, then it's okay for them to get uncomfortable with you. Remember to adopt a doctor's frame as doctors are allowed to ask those difficult, uncomfortable questions. And so are you. The deeper you go, the more uncomfortable you're allowing your prospect to experience in the discovery session. The more professional you will appear to be, the more authority you will be perceived to have, and more importantly, the more real the prospect's pain will be for them and their desire to overcome it. In other words, your solution becomes even more real. So make sure you go deep. Go there and find out what it really feels like for them. But as I mentioned in the previous session, also ask from a place of empathy, from a place of curiosity, from a place of genuine interest, okay, of wanting to help them. For example, if someone's having falling sales results, I'd ask something like this. I'm just curious, Mary. What does it feel like knowing that your company is getting smaller and smaller despite all the time and effort you're putting into your business? How does that feel for you? What does your family think? Make them feel that panic in the discovery session, as this is where you get your leverage. Now, by the way, I'm not talking about leverage to manipulate people, but rather to help them, help your prospect by being their sounding board and not being afraid to ask them the tough questions. 
So as I said before, the more real their pain is for them, then the solution becomes even more necessary. Don't overlook the importance of the discovery session, because when it comes to objections, the better job you do there in the discovery section, the easier handling objections is going to be for you, all right? In fact, the deeper you go with your prospect, the fewer objections you're going to get. You're just much more likely to get a genuine thank you rather than objection. That's how important going deep in a discovery session really is. So let's make this clear. When you're doing the discovery section, write down the things that they say. I've told you this before, but I want to make sure you do it. Write down the things they say. Write down their pain points, their desires, their feelings, whatever it is. When you say things like, why isn't this working for you? Write down their answer. Okay, And this is your time to reflect their words back to them. Because if you use their own words back with them, it makes it even more real for them. Not only does it show that you are valuable, that you've been listening, and that you care, but it makes it real for them as well. It makes the solution you're offering uniquely customised exactly for them. That's why this is very, very powerful. And yes, I always have a notebook when I'm doing calls. I mean, I'm a terrible typist. And this could be off putting the prospect as well by typing in Evernote or something on your screen while you're listening to them. I would think you should use the old-fashioned pen and paper approach, but ask permission first, all right? I mean, I keep a log so that every double page is for one call. So let's say I have to do a follow-up call with them two weeks down the road. Then I just go back to those pages of notes and I still have the pain points all written down in their words. So two weeks later, I just go back to my notebook and I can reflect their own words back at them and recover the emotional aspects of our previous call almost instantly. And not only that, but they're also important market research. So when it comes to a point where you wanted to go through all your notes, you can start seeing trends and start really getting a better understanding of your target market. What they're going through, what things are changing for them, how they're feeling about these changes. Right? That's the importance of having your notes. And then you can update your messaging as well by using that. If you need to deliver a better form of messaging or new trends or new insights, and maybe you could create a post based on that or Facebook Live video based on that. It's critical that these notes are taken seriously. So when it comes to objections, it's very important that you always isolate the objection that is raised, which I mentioned in the previous session. Doing so means that when you get to the decision-making time, if the prospect says, boom, that sounds really great, but I just don't have the money, then before you tackle that objection, isolate it. This is critical for your perceived posture and leadership. You say something like, I can appreciate that, but other than having the money, is there anything else that would prevent you from using this solution? I mean, if getting the results you share with them, like X sales appointments every month or X leads, whatever you're selling, if that's still important to you, is there anything else preventing you from making the decision to overcome this big challenge you have? All right? If nothing else, just not having the money, then you have taken all other objections off the table. And as I said in the previous session, this allows you just to focus on that one objection. Now do this because some prospects are going to keep using one escape mechanism after another to avoid what is the best decision they can make because it's difficult for them to make a decision, even though they are a decision maker. 
You are not serving them when you allow them to do that. You are there to help them. You are there to grow your business and to grow their business. You are there to serve them to their solution, right? So isolate the objection that you focus on then and you can work with them on that. You're not working against them. You are working with them to solve the problem of that objection. Help them to get past it so you can create a win-win relationship for both of you. Now, to be honest, quite often it's a mindset thing. And a mindset thing is important. It's their mindset, but it can also be yours. You need to start with your mindset. Work should begin before the call. You are there to get your prospect a better result, right? You are there to save your prospect, to save your client, right? Now, if you're charging a price that is high ticket, it doesn't matter whether it's 1000 or 10000 But if you're charging, say, 5000 but deep down inside you, you think it's only worth 1000 then that's going to come out. Not in words, but most definitely in the feelings and the perceptions you give out to your prospect. And uncertainty can be disastrous. So before you get on the call, you need to be congruent with yourself over what you're charging. Do you believe you're giving value for money? Because if you are not giving value for money, not only are you a fraud, but also everyone's going to see it and feel it. You need to believe from the deepest part of you is that the value you are offering this particular customer with your solution is far more than the price you're charging for it. Now, if you need help with that, go back to your heaven and amazing list that you created. Look at those amazing outcomes that you get for your client what the client gets from working with you. What are all the amazing things that are going to happen with them? Look at that list. Look at it every single day. Do this until you wholeheartedly believe that when the client works with you, when the client pays you the full price, then they are the ones that are getting the steal of a deal because the value you offer far exceeds the money that you are charging. Now, as far as the prospect's mindset about the price you are charging, remember in the last session with the example I gave where the price to solve this problem is only X dollars. It's like you're presenting like it's a steal of a deal, right? It's the tone of your voice and the authority and the belief in, in what you have, okay? It's only X dollars. If you're presenting like it's a steal, then the prospect feels that because it's said in a different tone. That's a completely different energy to someone who is nervous and anxious about the price, right? Bring the right energy and selling becomes a lot easier. Serving becomes a lot easier and self-belief is the key. If you truly believe you're giving value, which is far more than the price you're charging, that will reflect in the way you relate and resonate with your prospect. And price will not become the issue because they will believe in what you're believing. Now, this is important when we're doing objections because you don't want to agree or validate with your prospect's objections either. Acknowledge them, sure. So if someone says, I just don't have the money, say, well, I can appreciate that. I mean, you don't want to say, I can understand that because then you're validating where they're coming from. To validate their objections, simply acknowledge objections, right? There's a difference. So use your words carefully. Just make sure you are not validating the place that they're coming from. Because don't forget, as I said before, you are at the end of the call. 
your prospect has had to say yes numerous times up until this point. They've raised their hand and they've said so many, many times. By the time they're on this call with you, it's clear that they truly need you, right? They've already admitted that. Whether it's actively or tacitly, they're going to need your help. So then don't validate where they're coming from. Just acknowledge it, appreciate it, and that's it. Don't go on about, yes, I understand how you feel, blah, blah. Don't do that. Acknowledge it and appreciate it. By talking about understanding, you're getting on an emotional involvement level with them. And once you do that, you are not serving them anymore. Okay, let's move on. I'm going to list the objection strategies that I like to use. And I like to use them in this order. Now, you can use them in a different order if you like, okay? But what I do is I just run through them in this order. So if they give me an objection, for example, whether it's the money objection or the time objection or I need to talk to someone, whatever it is, then I handle their objection sort of based on this format. The first is known as the feel, felt, found. For example, I can appreciate you feel that way, Mary. A lot of my most successful clients felt that way as well. But in reality, what I found is that by not, by not using the solution by not taking my services they were literally leaving thousands of dollars a month on the line that is the real cost okay it's a small investment to really get back the opportunity cost you can see the actual problems you're trying to achieve are much higher than the small investment i'm asking you to make right and my clients who felt exactly the same way as you have found that in a short time it was the best investment they ever made all right, so I acknowledge him by saying, I acknowledge how you feel. I appreciate how you feel. Then you're making your solution even more real by saying, a lot of your most successful clients have felt the same way. You're also saying a lot of your most successful clients have been there and done that, just like Mary. And then you're implying that you're the bridge that got them to the next level. So once again, here's how it goes. I appreciate how you feel. A lot of my most exciting, successful clients felt that way. But in reality, what I found is that they were leaving thousands of dollars on the table every single month that they were not using these strategies. The investment in this program is far smaller than the opportunity costs you face by continuing to put up with the pain and the sacrifices that you are experiencing right now. Can you see that? Feel felt found and that's one you can use for any type of objections now if they're saying yeah i really like this but i just want to some more time to think about it i don't want to make a big decision i always meditate first i always sleep on it before i make a decision okay if they say things like that don't push too hard here but you can say something like thank you bob i appreciate how you feel you know, a lot of my most successful clients have felt the same way. But in reality, what I found is that after analysing the people who were the most successful, that decision-making is really what separates the winners from the strugglers in this world. People who can interpret information and then make a decision on the spot are the ones that are enjoying the success that you want. There's a ton of business sitting out there right now, and by taking an extra day, you are decreasing your chances of success. I have found that in my most successful clients, they are the ones that just threw themselves into it, took a leap of faith, and got the success they were looking for, right? 
another way of looking at feel, felt, found. And you can add on the end. But of course, Bob, it's always going to be your call. I just want to put all the facts on the table for you so you can make the best and most timely decision. Okay, so you can use that within your objection as well. Then there's the that's exactly why type of objections. Now be careful with this as it's a bit aggressive. But it does work if you are coming from a place of integrity and not a place of desperation. For example, your prospect may say, you know, this program sounds really great. I just don't know if I have the money. Then you say, really? Look, Bob, the fact that you don't have the money is exactly why you call me today. People don't call me because they're rolling in money. They call me because they're struggling. They're struggling to fill their pipeline of prospects or not getting the sales they want. So that's exactly why it's important that you roll in this program today, because you don't have the money. That is what we're here to fix. Isn't that right? That is a problem we've been working on that I'm giving you the strategy about so that you do have the money. I mean, as I said, if you had the money, you would not be calling me today, right? So that's the exactly why type thing to overcome objection. But be careful with it, right? Now, let's say the prospect says, I really want to do this, Peter, but I have to go and talk to my partner about it first. This is where some become a bit more aggressive and say something like this. Bob, this is exactly why you need to do it today. You've been holding off taking action up until this point. You've been doing this for five years. Always coming up with a reason why you can't do it. And that's why we're on this call right now. I've yet to meet a person whose partner didn't want to step into their power, take action and become the business person they promised that they would be. So yes, that's powerful, but as you can see, a little bit more aggressive. When you say, this is exactly why you need to do it now. And then you reflect their own words back to them. That's what makes it powerful. And again, this is what makes the discovery section so important. But again, I caution you with that particular approach. Make sure you've built rapport. Make sure you know your facts. And make sure you're not desperate when you take that approach. Now, another approach is called the moment of truth. Sometimes called come to Jesus moments. The moment of truth is where you're simply giving them the emotional truth. Unlike the other ones that are a little bit more rational, right? This is totally emotional. You're tapping their emotional triggers very much indeed. And it's very hard to argue out because you're just giving them their emotional moments of truth that they share with you when digging deeper in a discovery session. For example, a prospect may say, I want to do your program. I just don't have the money for that. Then you follow up by saying something like this. Bob, can I just go on the same side of the table with you for a moment? You know you told me that you've been doing this for five years, all right? You've been making less money than a lot of bartenders and waiters are making. You've been a sales professional for five years and you're not making any money. I mean, you told me you've invested thousands of dollars in different trainings that have not worked for you. Let's be honest. What is going to change if you don't change anything? You told me that if this goes on for another two or three months, you're going to have to go and get a new job. You told me that your marriage is on the rocks right now. I mean, I'm just trying to be totally truthful with you, Bob. This is what you told me. I don't want that for you. I want you to be a successful salesperson, a successful business owner, an entrepreneur, a professional that you're meant to be. I want you to step into your power. 
But if you don't make the change, nothing is going to change. I will promise you that. So, with that approach, what you're really doing is you're just reflecting the truth back to them. You're not allowing them to escape the truth of their situation. It's emotional and it's powerful. And if you did the discovery session well, then this can be very, very effective because they would have told you what the problem is and how it feels to them and their fears that are associated with it. What you're doing is simply holding up a mirror for them to let them have a darn good look at what they told you. That is the truth of the situation. And you share with them, this is the truth as you told me Bob, but I have a way out. I'm willing to work with you to fix these problems for the next X days. See what I mean? You are holding up a mirror, letting them see the reflection of the truth. Now let's keep this in context. It's more about what it's costing them not to do something rather than what it's going to cost them to do something. And with that in mind, I especially recommend in the discovery section that you find out what the cost of not solving their pain point really is going to be in terms of dollars and emotions and feelings. By keeping things in context, it's really building up the value of what they're missing out on and building down the investments you're asking them to make today. All right? So that's the moment of truth approach. Now then finally, use a success story. In terms of helping people overcome whatever nervousness they got or objections, whatever it may be. For example, you know, Bob, my client Jim was in the exact same position as you are 60 days ago. I was on the phone with Jim 60 days ago. He was telling me that he was about to sell his house and move into a one-bedroom apartment with his wife. That was 60 days ago. Jim worked with me for a month. Last month, he made his first ever $10,000. And this is how we did it. So then you're using a success story, right? Make sure your success story is real, okay? Don't lie to them. And then you can make it very real for your prospect as well. So there you are. Those five objections are very, very powerful, especially if you stack them in your conversation, one after the other, if necessary, okay? Now, a good tip for you. After you handle objection, you must close the loop. What I mean by this is that when you finish your objection handling, then you say, now, Christine, what would you like to do next? Or, awesome, Christine, how do you see yourself building this? Or, sounds to me like you're ready to join. For any of those three statements, they are in a way closing statements, right? Whenever you say that, you say nothing more. You keep your mouth shut, right? Now, Christine, what would you like to do next? Awesome, Christine. How do you see yourself building this? Or, sounds to me like you're ready to join. Right? Very simple. They are closing, but they're powerful. Say them and then wait for their answer. Or another option could be, okay, let's go ahead and do this today. You want to put on Visa or MasterCard? Or do you want to do a bank transfer? How do you want to pay? That's an assumptive type close, right? You, but you're closing that loop. You're not leaving that objection open because if you leave the objection open, they will keep it going for you. Respect the fact that people can find making decisions quite an emotional challenge. So help them. Close the loop because then it becomes a lot more difficult for them to reopen it and this is for their own good, not yours. 
it's uncomfortable for them to reopen it because you've just used logic to show them that the objection doesn't really make sense. All right, so close the loop after every objection. So can you see that you're doing the last section of your strategy session in a very deliberate way? If you follow this approach, you will get results because you're maintaining that doctors or consultancy frame and you're getting your prospects to make a decision about what is best for them when everything is put on the table. Be totally transparent, but don't allow them to use an escape mechanism. Remember, if you keep doing that to them, you are not serving them at all. And to be quite frank with you, they may not become a customer, but they also lose respect for you. So you make sure you are really open and push them in a way that helps them make the best decision for them. They will not just respect you, but they will thank you for having the intestinal fortitude to push with them. Just keep making it clear to them that you're there to help make a decision that's going to solve their problems. That it doesn't matter to you. Okay? I mean, you've got maybe 10 calls or 20 calls already to go to. I've got another five other people to talk to this week. Whatever your circumstances are, right? It doesn't matter to you from a business perspective. But from a personal perspective, you don't want to make the problem difficult for them. You feel like you need to serve them in the right way. And you will feel like you let them down if they don't share everything with you and they cannot make the best buying decision because of a series of objections that you failed to face head on. So make sure they know that you are there for them and that you are actually pushing this because you want them to make the best decision and that they are the perfect client for you, that you know you can help them. Okay? I'm trying to push you in the most polite way because I really care about you and I want this for you. The reason this call has gone as long as it has is because I know that I can help you. So you're really operating from a place of empathy, but also you're not begging, right? Do not beg. You do not need them. They need you. The minute you beg is the minute you lose the call. So hold your posture and hold that frame at all times. Never beg. And then if you get through those five objections and they are still not there yet, well, then it's time to pull away. You leaned into them before, you showed interest, understanding and appreciation, okay? And it still didn't give them the power to make a buying decision. You've shared with them and had them share with you. Now you lean away from them because sometimes leaning away is all that it needs. You want to make it seem like they're not right for you, that they've missed the opportunity with you. You don't need them. I'm sure they need you, but you don't need them. And they've just missed out that opportunity of getting you. So don't say, maybe I'll follow up with you in a few days. Don't say that. When someone says, follow up with me in a few days, this is what you say. Mary, I don't do follow-ups like that. I have a book calendar right now. I'm talking to a lot of people. We just spent an hour on the phone going through all the problems, and I offered you the solution. I'm really only looking to work with people that are committed to fixing their problem. That's the type of client that I want. So I'm not going to follow up with you because it doesn't sound like we're a good fit. It really doesn't sound like this is the right time for you to get your problem sorted out. And I respect that. I do wish you the best of luck in your business and I hope it gets better for you. Or you can follow up by saying something like this. Mary, I'm not going to follow up because I've got a long list of clients that are ready to solve their problem. So out of fairness to them, I have to give them my time. 
we're going to be doing some real transformation work together. And to be honest, I thought it would be a really good fit for both you and I. But from what you're saying, it's really not just the right time for you to go to the next level in your business. I respect that and I wish you well. So you're pulling away from them. And a lot of people, when you pull away from them, then all of a sudden they want something they can't have, right? So you pull away from them and everything changes. I mean, it shouldn't change, but it does sometimes. And they will actually say, woo, 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 woo. When can we talk next? Okay? So that's how I recommend you handle the objection part of the call. And I think the most important overarching theme of objections is just to stick to your frame. Stick to your posture. Remember, you are in charge. You are the one helping them. They need you a lot more than you need them. In fact, you don't need them at all because you have a pipeline of prospects to serve. That energy needs to come through on your call. They will feel it as if you're the expert, if you are the doctor. They will feel it. They want to work with you. And to be honest, if they don't want to work with you, if they don't decide to work with you, then they probably aren't your ideal client anyway. And often you'll find that when prospects don't work with you, they probably would have been prospects that would have caused you problems anyway. They're not your ideal client, right? When you do it this way, your dream clients are going to be attracted to you even more in this last phase of the strategy session. All right, so I hope you've enjoyed this objection handling session. And by the way, if you'd like more about handling objections, then ask me for my video called Essential Objections Secrets. I'm more than happy to share it with you. Thanks for listening. All the best. Thanks so much for listening to the Internet Marketing Center Show with your host, the village marketer himself, Peter Beckenham. For more great content, go online, peterbeckenham.com. We'll catch you next time.